Hello and welcome to the Mind Body Free Podcast. I am your host, Abigail Moss. I'm a shaman. I'm here to awaken the healers, to not simply teach you, but to bring you home to your own divinity, nature, and spirit, so that you may remember the depths of your own being, power, and purpose, and embody your original medicine in all that you do. This work is not for the faint of heart, but for the driven seeker who will not quit until they find what calls them. This is for those who are ready to step into their power, even though it fucking terrifies them. This is for the medicine women, the light workers, and the weary souls who've lived countless lifetimes. This is a path to mend your deepest of wounds, to remember the innocence of your nature. This is a way of embodiment, integrity, and awakening. It is a portal back to your soul and a bridge between worlds. This is where we reclaim our magic, our birthright, and our true being. A magic that was hidden for centuries by religion, madness, and fear. It is a power that stirs in our wombs and a knowing whispered by our ancestors. It is a song sung by the universe. It is our birthright, our divinity, and our being. We are here to remember it, embody it, and return it to the world from which it was hidden. Welcome. This is season two, Reclaim Your Magic. Hello and welcome to the Mind Body Free Podcast. I'm your host, Abigail Moss, and I am here with Dr. Michael Wild. Dr. Wild is a chiropractic physician for 31 years, a functional medicine practitioner for 15 years, and certified cellular healing specialist related to chronic inflammation and toxicity biohacker for five years. He's the owner of a cellular health spa and gym and creator of Functional Chirohacking, which is a synergy of all three of these healing services. He developed a protocol called the Cellular Healing Cycle, which helped his wife live 15 times longer than was prognosed with her terminal illness, angiosarcoma, one of the rarest and most aggressive of all cancers. Thank you, Dr. Wilde, for being here. It is such a privilege. Yeah, yeah, it's my pleasure. It really, no, it's my privilege to be here. I love getting to share what I've learned with anyone that's willing to listen, because I really believe that unfortunately the world we live in is become quite a toxic one. And uh, there's a lot of stresses put on our bodies in different ways, but we have so much that we can do to protect ourselves and reverse that if you only learn how. So I've kind of made it my mission after having gone through it, I went through with my wife to share that information with as many people as are willing to listen and to take it to heart and create even the smallest, simplest changes in their lives every day to continue to improve the quality and quantity of those lives. Absolutely. I love that. I definitely feel that you're on a mission. And I touched on a little bit in the intro, but can you tell me a bit about how you came to be doing this work? What that looked like? What's, what's your story? Absolutely. And I wish it's a story that I never had to tell. And I've got a little 
got a little growling going on over here for one of my dogs. So <laughs> I'm not sure he likes the story either, but because I always say, I wish that God gave me a different way of learning this lesson. But the reality is I probably would have never gone to the lengths that I went to, to learn what I learned, traveling the country, spending countless hours, sleeping very little to help my wife. I probably would have never done any of that if it wasn't for the severity of what she did go through. So I guess I'm thankful in some way for that lesson. Mm. I'll try and make a very long story short, but I, I do suffer from verbal diarrhea. So at times <laughs> I will go on. So feel free to cut me off if you need to. Okay. But I met my wife when I was 17. She was 15, right? So we started dating way back then. We, we clicked pretty much off the bat and we became soulmates, right? Fast forward many years later, that was starting in 1984. In 2001, we all remember September 2001 because of the Twin Towers. And about a month later, my world shook and everything got turned upside down in the midst of what was happening in the world around us when my wife was diagnosed with what we call potential breast cancer. And I say potential because we had a lump in her breast that had been there for 10 years and never changed. She had fibrocystic breasts to begin with, so we knew she was kind of lumpy. But there was one that was really stood out from the others, but it never changed. So it was, in my mind, not likely that it was cancerous because that doesn't usually happen. It doesn't stay stagnant for 10 years. She just got the gut instinct that she wanted to have it checked out. So she went for a biopsy. That biopsy came out, went to the first lab, and that first lab said, it looks like ductal carcinoma in situ, a very, very common form of breast cancer, but we're not 100% sure, and we can't tell if it's invasive or not from this tissue sample we got. They sent that then to another lab. That lab said, no, it's not cancer at all. So I said, okay, one says maybe, one says it is. I'm sorry, one says it is, one says it isn't. I need some kind of consensus. So we sent to a third lab, and they said, not only is it cancerous, it's fully invasive. So the same tissue, give me one second. Come here, buddy. Got to pick up the baby. <laughs> All right. One sample, three labs, three different results. One said yes, one said no, one said maybe. So, of course, that threw us into a tizzy. You know, what do you do with that information? So we decided that it was prudent to remove the lump. Since we weren't sure if it, what, what it was, let's go ahead and remove it. That seemed like the, the least of the evils. But at the time then, of course, they said, well, if it is cancer, we want you to do chemo. We want you to do radiation. So they sent us to visit the chemotherapist. And, of course, I did my homework before I got there so I could ask intelligent questions. And I found in doing my homework that this type of breast cancer was virtually never found in someone under 50. So all the research was done for people over 50. My wife was 33 at the time. So I knew the chemo they wanted to give her was a biologic agent that was going to stop her by from making estrogen since most cancers are fed by estrogen. It's a growth hormone. So they want to put you on a drug that stops your estrogen, which is not as traumatic to someone in their 50s as it is to someone in their 30s, right? So I also did some digging and found out that if you did that, you were much more likely to develop a stroke or to have other kinds of cancers come about, like ovarian cancer, right? So in five minutes of questioning the chemotherapist about asking for data that pertained to my wife and her age bracket, they couldn't produce anything, said there was nothing. And when I said, okay, but so what's the benefit? And they said, well, this particular drug will reduce the risk of developing cancer in the opposite breast by 50%. That's why she should take it. I said, wow, that sounds really good. In what percentage of people that take it? 
And they looked at me kind of funny. I said, what do you mean? I said, you just told me it reduces the recurrence by 50%. My question is, in what percent of people who take it? So they quickly flipped through the pages. They said, 13%. <laughs> I said, okay, wait a second. So it doesn't help 87% of people, but it will increase our risk of stroke and of other kinds of cancer. And they said, yeah, she shouldn't take it. Oh my God. Right? This was after five minutes of asking intelligent questions. You got to be your own advocate, right? And if you're not familiar, you got to find someone who is because they just put you into a pocket most of the time and they treat you as a number. And I know I'm making blanket statements here. So I apologize to any physicians who are listening who don't treat their patients that way, but that has been my experience, Mm -hmm. right? So they then said, okay, well, you have to talk to to the radiation oncologist. So we went to talk to the radiation oncologist and she started talking about radiating my wife's breast where the tumor was removed. So again, I raised my hand. I said, well, let me ask a question. Are you telling me that's the only place the cancer could potentially be? And she said, well, no. And I said, because the cancer didn't start in the breast, right? The cancer is a process of the immune system not being able to stop something that's growing faster than it's supposed to be. So what's going on here? There's some cellular mechanism that's causing excessive growth or the inability of the immune system to recognize or stop it. And that happens body-wide, not just in the breast tissue. And she said, of course, like we know that. I said, well, then why don't you radiate her entire body? She said, well, radiation is damaging. That will kill her. I said, my point exactly. Mm. So why do you think radiating just the breast tissue is going to be of any benefit at all if it doesn't stop the entire process that started this in the first place? Mm-hmm. She literally stood up, put her hand in front of my face and, you know, the universal symbol for shut the hell up, right? Yeah. yeah. And turned to my wife and literally said, if you listen to him, you'll die. If you listen to me, you'll live. Which one do you want? Wow. Could you imagine the frustration, right? Yeah. I mean, for the first time in my life, I wanted to hit a woman. <laughs> this, this woman, I was like, I want to strangle this woman, mm-hmm. you know? I was like, you've got to be kidding me that you just said that and put my wife in that position. Mm-hmm. And she thought there was nothing wrong with that, that she knew it all. And so my wife just broke down and started crying, right? And she said, I don't know what to do. And I said, mm-hmm. you do know what to do. Go with your gut. And she said, well, my gut tells me they've been learning about this a lot longer than you have. I'm going to do what they tell me to do. So I had to respect that. It was her body, not mine. Mm-hmm. I was just starting to research this stuff because I had to, right? I had not gone down that path before. And they gave her radiation treatments every day for six weeks. And it turns out that radiation caused a secondary cancer mm-hmm. called angiosarcoma. Mm-hmm. And angiosarcoma is a very rare, extremely aggressive cancer. Sarcomas make up 3% of all cancers. And angiosarcoma makes up 1% of the 3%. So it's really rare, but it's also extremely dangerous and there's no treatment for it medically at all. Radiation caused it, so you can't give it more radiation and there's no chemo that affects it at all. So your traditional oncologist just throws her hands up and says, there's nothing that we can do, which is exactly what they told her. So I cut out a lot of stuff in the middle leading up to that, but the reality is that we found that androsarcoma a year before they diagnosed it. And for various reasons, they kept us stringing along. But once they finally diagnosed it, they said, well, we honestly don't know how you're still alive. 90% of people will be dead within two months of first finding it. You found it a year ago. 
and virtually no one lives more than two, two and a half years with this. So at most, we think you have two months, three months. If there's a miracle, you should just go home and kiss your kids goodbye. Oh my God. Right? <sighs> and I can't help but get a little welled up talking about this, even though this was many years ago, because I can't, the anxiety and the stress that that produced for our family was unreal. So I basically said, well, thank you for your opinion, but that's all it is. And it's based on your experience. But I'm going to tell you right now, we're not doing another thing that you tell us to do. Yeah. And we're going to look in a different direction because obviously your methodologies don't work so well. Right. Absolutely. So that's when I started to dive deeper into the physiological mechanisms of cellular dysfunction, cellular disease and cellular health and repair. Because I knew that this all started at the cellular level. Ultimately, in one of the predominant theories, I'll say, behind the causation of cancer today is we call cancer as a metabolic disease, meaning it begins with the dysfunction of the mitochondria in the cells, which is where you produce your energy in the cell. So your food and oxygen eventually make their way to the cell. It goes into a part of the cell called the mitochondria. And that's like an energy factory or a lot like a carburetor in an older car where the fuel and oxygen come in together and together they create a spark of energy. Well, that's how your cells get their energy to be alive, to heal, repair, and do their job, to express their genetic code. So if there's a problem in the mitochondria, there's going to be a problem in that how that cell functions, in its resistance, how it multiplies, if it becomes diseased, if it becomes cancer. So I started studying that. And going down that path, I started learning little bits of knowledge that I started to say, okay, how can I turn this into something tangible that I can treat her with? Mm -hmm. And as I learned those things, I started creating protocols and I would do it with her. So I'd learn and do it and learn and do it. And in the time I was doing that, her androsarcoma spread like wildfire throughout her body, especially in the first couple of months where I was trying to learn this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So by the time I began to actually treat her, she had cancer in every single bone in her body, except for two vertebrae. It was the only place we couldn't find it. Mm -hmm. She had seven tumors in her liver. She had a tumor in her pelvis the size of a volleyball. She had a tumor in her collarbone so large she could rest her head on it. Mm -hmm. Right? And with bone cancer, it was causing the bones to expand. And androsarcoma, by the way, spread so fast because it is a cancer of blood vessel walls. So any place you have a blood vessel, you can have androsarcoma. So ultimately everywhere, mm -hmm. right? That's why it spreads like that. So by the time I started to really help her with anything significant, the way I describe it, it was like trying to push a boulder uphill with my pinky. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In my mind, I knew it was not likely I was going to help save her life. I believe I could probably prolong her life. I believe I can make the quality of her life better. But knowing where I'm starting... I knew that was going to be one hell of a job, right? And it wasn't really me, right? It's her body doing the healing, but I was just trying to remove the roadblocks and find the paths to enable that healing better. You know, mm -hmm. I tell people all the time, man never healed anything. Man never cured anything, right? All healing comes from above, down, inside, out. I'm not particularly religious, but I am spiritual. Mm -hmm. And I believe in the healing energy of the universe and the healing power of the body to tap into that energy whatever you call it, Mother Nature, Yahweh, God, Jesus, it doesn't matter to me, Buddha, right? It's all the same greater higher intelligence than we 
possess on our conscious level, right? Mm -hmm. So my opinion of my role is God didn't make any junk. We as human beings are great at screwing it up. Let me figure (laughs) out how you screw it up. Let me see if I can give you a repair. Let's see if we can create a bridge, a patch, a workaround, and let that innate God-given healing ability go to work. So that's what I started to do with her. And she started to get better. So instead of getting worse, her blood work started to look better. Her immune system started to get stronger. Her natural killer cell count, which is what the white blood cells are that actually destroy cancer, tripled, right? Mm-hmm. So I see her body getting better and better and better. And ultimately, about three years and five months later, we were having a celebration cookout in the backyard because she was supposed to be long dead, according to the greatest oncological, oncological minds uh, mm-hmm. out there, right? So again, they don't know. They're making their best guess based on their paradigm, and I wasn't willing to play in their paradigm, right? Mm-hmm. So she was one for the uh, record books because virtually no one lives that long with androsarcoma, right? So, and this is where it gets really kind of sad, but we had this great cookout. She had her friends from high school. We had moved out of New York. She was from Brooklyn. I was from Long Island. We had moved down to Richmond, Virginia, 30, 31 years ago now. So this was, oh no, 22 years ago or so. We had moved down here. So she had not been in contact or had seen a lot of her friends from high school in 20 years. And they decided because of what she was going through that they were all going to come down for this cookout. So all of her girlfriends from high school came down. It was wonderful. The camaraderie, the, and it was like they never left, you know? 20 years apart, but they were, you know, they were never really apart. Mm-hmm. And so we had a great cookout, great party, fantastic. She was feeling great. We'd actually been to the mall shopping that day. So I said, go inside, put your feet up. I'll do the dishes. I'll come in and rub your feet in just a minute. While I'm doing the dishes, she starts to scream and howl in a way that I've never heard a person. And I rush in the room and her eyes are wide open, but she can't see me. She's not there right? And she's clawing at the walls and literally ripping her fingernails off. And she's just saying over and over, somebody help me, somebody help me. So I don't, I didn't know what the hell happened, right? So it turns out what happened was that her body, she was on all kinds of drug cocktails to control the incredible pain that was being created by this cancer expanding the bones throughout her entire body. She would literally go to pass the salt at the dinner table and her ribs would break, mm. right? She just before this happened, a couple of weeks before, my son was graduating high school and had an award ceremony. He was getting all these awards. So my wife said, listen, I really want to go to that. And I said, there's no reason you can't go to that. Unfortunately, I had to work because I had taken off two months from practice to care for her. And if I didn't go back to work, we weren't going to have a house anymore. So she knew I had to go to work. But I said, you should go to that award ceremony. And she did. And on her way back out, walking through the parking lot to the car, her femur snapped in half just below the hip joint. And she ended up falling on her leg, which was backwards behind her body, laying on her back, and her toes were up around her ear. To kind of give you a visual, right? And I couldn't, I wasn't there, right? So that's one of the things I kicked myself for. But a, a dear person found her in the parking lot, helped her. She had to have emergency surgery to put her leg back together. So she was obviously in a lot of pain from that. So she was on all these drug cocktails 
from the surgery for the leg and from the bones breaking. And it was a time of narcotics. And ultimately, her brain reached a point of saturation of the narcotics. And what occurred was called a central nervous system rejection, where it basically says, no more. We're not going to accept this pain modulation. And she suddenly felt all the pain rush in at once, and it broke her brain. Oh. Right? And <clears throat> I had to rush her to the hospital. And over two weeks, we tried all kinds of different methods to reduce her pain. And we got a little bit better. On a 1 to 10, she went from 15 down to maybe nine. And in that time, I was not able to do any of my protocols in the hospital because I'm not a medical physician. I don't have those privileges in the hospital. I was not allowed to treat her. And I slowly watched her body deteriorate day by day. I would check her labs every day and see another system shut down, shut down, shut down. Because what we were doing at home with the protocols was keeping all of it at bay while her body was slowly working to heal. But without that, everything shut down very rapidly. Mm -hmm. So she was in the hospital for two weeks and ultimately died in the hospital. I'm so sorry. And that, that was eight years ago. I can talk about it a little bit now without crying, but my dogs can't, obviously. They feel the energy, what you're oh, saying. Yeah. They yeah. do. They know. Right. So I learned a lot in her experience, and I told her days before she died, when she was still conscious, she kind of began to lose consciousness towards the end. But while she was still conscious, one of the last things I said to her was, you know, that we're probably not getting out of here at this point. We're going to be realistic about it. I want you to know that I'm not going to let you die in vain. I'm going to take everything I learned to help you, and I'm going to create protocols to help other people catch it earlier, treat it better, and be able to save their cells so they can save themselves and not end up in the position you're in. Right? And so that's how I ended up creating what today I call micellar healing cycle, which is a six-step process to save your cells. And what I found in my research was it wasn't just cancer this pertained to. It was all chronic diseases had certain types of cellular dysfunction in common. So especially the top five chronic diseases that everyone dies from in America, cardiovascular disease, like heart disease or stroke, diabetes, cancer of any kind, dementia and Alzheimer's, and any of over 150 autoimmune conditions all have certain cellular mechanisms in common. So that's where I work at that level. So I went on to train to become a certified cellular healing specialist within functional medicine, particularly dealing with inflammation and toxicity, because those are the two areas that disrupt the cell the most that you have the most control over, mm -hmm. right? And so I take people step-by-step step through a process to prevent, stop, and reverse the development of those chronic diseases by correcting that cellular dysfunction. And if you're going to do it right, if you've already been diagnosed, that takes about a year to do. It took many years to actually get you into the position you're in, and it takes a while for the body to heal, right? Mm -hmm. If you're not diagnosed yet, but you're noticing things are really starting to get funky, you know you're not well, there's a middle-level program I offer that's only six months long. And for people who are really pretty healthy, just want to try to top it off and be better, I have a monthly program. You go month by month as long as you think you need the help, mm. right? So there's all different ways in which I now do the work I do like that. And that evolved into me creating the healing center that I have here in Richmond, Virginia, called the Biohack Zone, which I call a cellular health spa slash gym, 
Biohacking is a term that a lot of people are not familiar with. It basically means using scientific shortcuts to rapidly improve your health and performance. So there's all kinds of tools and techniques and technology we can use to speed up your healing, reduce the learning curve for your body, reduce that inflammation, reduce that toxicity very quickly. And so all my treatments are 15 to 20 minutes. And you can come in and do one or come in and do 10, right? And spend a couple hours with me, right? It depends on what you want to do. Just like going to a gym, you can go and work out for 15 minutes or take a class for an hour, right? Mm -hmm. So there's all different ways in which you can do that work with me. And the functional medicine work I do, which is all about the cellular healing, I do that virtually with people all around the country. So I created a program called Restore Your Health Online. And in that program, it focuses on my cellular healing cycle. And that's where I have those three levels of service we just talked about. But if you're local, you also come into my biohacking spa and we speed it all up for you. Wow. Well, first of all, I'm sorry that you and your family, you and your wife had to go through all that. No one should have to endure that. But what a what a sense of purpose to to, to, to make that difference in people's lives and bring what you learned into the world. And it's interesting. And I, I can relate, by the way, to not feeling to feeling like I'm slipping through the cracks as far as Western medicine goes. I'm in Canada and doctors are very busy. They're overworked. They don't have time to pay attention to what's going on. And there's just, if it's not obvious and acute, if it's some kind of underlying chronic thing that deals with the overall system, it just slips through the cracks. And you don't hear a lot of people talking about cellular health. Like if someone were to ask me or someone, you know, ask a typical person, what is cellular health? It's like, you know, how do you have cellular health? What does that look like? I don't know. Drink water? Like, <laughs> what do you do? Right. Right. So what does that look like when people come in say, and so where are you based locally? What area? So I'm physically in Richmond, Virginia. Okay, cool. So you have, so your, your cellular gym, if it were, that's in Richmond, Virginia. Correct. Okay. And hopefully if I have my way soon in a town near you. Yeah. Well, that would be great. I'll go in. I I would love to expand that concept, franchise model or something. I don't know if I really want to get involved in that whole world, but I want there to be more of these centers, Mm -hmm. right? So I started to create this center five years ago. And just recently, I saw in Forbes magazine, they did a whole special spread on the rise of cellular health spas, biohacking health spas, Mm -hmm. and how they're popping up in Beverly Hills and New York City and how Dave Asprey, the father of biohacking, is opening one and all these high-end facilities. And what was amazing to me is they showed pictures and I said, that's in my center, that's in my center, that's in my center. So we have been doing this for five years and now it's becoming popular. Yeah, amazing. Well, good. I mean, prevention is such an important piece. I think you touched on this too. You know, if you can access, get to these things sooner, then you can do a lot more with it. So what, like what kinds of symptoms will people be experiencing if their cellular health is degrading? Like if they need to come and see you, what kind of stuff are they dealing with? Well, that is everything but the kitchen sink, right? Or including the kitchen sink, really, because (laughs) it can affect you on so many levels. The simplest thing I can say is fatigue is very common, right? A lack of energy, not necessarily that you're so fatigued that you can't get out of bed, although some people do have that, but even, you know, why do I need another cup of coffee to get through my day, mm-hmm. right? Why do I feel like I don't have the vitality that I should have? So that's, that's a big one. Hormone imbalances, right, is another big one. And that, of course, can show itself in many different ways, from early onset menopause to lack of sex drive to excess fat building up around your tissues. 
So brain fog, if it's thyroid hormone, hair, skin, nail problems. So there is a delicate interplay in the hormones of the body and hormones are chemical messengers, right? So our body makes 600 plus chemical messengers. And that's how your gut and brain tell the cells what to do. They do it through the hormone messengers. But the hormone system, the endocrine system is what we call a closed unit, meaning that if you interfere with one, you're going to ultimately affect one or many others because they all play off each other. It's kind of like a series of dominoes. You can't knock down one without affecting the others. So there's a very direct interplay that I see happen all the time when there is significant cellular dysfunction that four groups of hormones and glands get involved. One is your thyroid, right? So if you're developing hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism, autoimmune dysfunction, Hashimoto's, you may be familiar with some of those terms. Mm -hmm. Thyroid mainly controls your metabolism for your body, which is not just your fat burning, but it's the get up and go for every cell in your body, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the juice that gets fed into that mitochondria says, wake up and take that fuel and take that oxygen and create some energy, Mm -hmm. right? So thyroid function is affected. Stress hormones are affected. Your adrenal glands, right? Your cortisol, your cortisone gets dramatically affected. So people tend to be more stressed out than they should be, not sleep well because their adrenaline is too high and their cortisol is too high. So dysfunctional sleep patterns, they can become skittish, become sensitive to loud sounds, bright lights to say, hey, when did I start feeling so old that I think it's too loud in here? You know, so Mm -hmm. these are all signs of adrenal stress. Then we have sex hormone imbalance, right? Whether it's male or female, we're going to have problems with estrogen and testosterone. So these go out of balance and you can hear the commercials every day on TV here anyway, suffer from low T, don't have energy, don't have the strength, can't perform the bedroom the way you want. So, you know, the pharmaceutical companies love to market directly to the public Mm -hmm. and our government allows it, which is insane, right? Mm -hmm. But in that model, we do hear a lot about people having these problems. They think the answer is just get an injection of that hormone. That's not fixing anything, right? That's a Band-Aid and actually could be quite dangerous. It's covering in the symptom. Yeah, right? Covers up your symptoms. I always use the analogy, you're driving along, your oil light comes on. Well, you got two things you can do about that. You can think about going to get the oil changed real quick, or you can put a piece of black tape over the oil light and keep on going. Exactly. I feel the same right. way. And that's like, if you just you just put a pill in it in your body to cover up the symptom, then whatever the trigger was for that is not going away. And it's going right. to very likely show up as something more serious down the road. Exactly. Right. And it often does. Right. So that's something I try to tell people all the time. Just getting rid of your symptoms doesn't mean you're getting well. Mm-hmm. Right. And our traditional system is based on symptom treatment, mm-hmm. not system balance. Right. It's not a cohesive look at not a holistic look at what's going on. Not at all. Right. It's all very, very segmented. Mm -hmm. So we have the thyroid, the adrenals and the sex hormones. And the last part of that is your sugar metabolism in your pancreas. Right. So if you don't metabolize your sugar properly and you can't get that sugar into your cells and utilize properly, then it starts to damage the cell membranes and tissues. So we know we need sugar to feed our cells for energy. Right. One way or another, and we can be on a ketogenic diet and use primarily fats, right? That's another avenue, but most of us are more sugar burners. And I think there needs to be a good balance of that and more of a fat burn than sugar burner. That's a whole other topic, whole other podcast, right? Mm -hmm. But we need sugar to get into our cells, right? So insulin is the hormone that triggers a receptor or like an antenna on the cell's membrane that says, open the door, let this sugar in. 
right? So if you develop inflammation or toxicity of your cell membranes, those antennas stop working properly and they become blunt and blocked it, blocked and covered, right? By a toxin or damaged by excessive inflammation. And when that happens, the receptors or antenna can't hear that hormone signal. In the case of this, it's insulin. So when someone develops diabetes, right? Type two diabetes, it doesn't just happen overnight. It starts in a gradual process that we call insulin resistance. So that cell's receptor, the antenna, is becoming resistant to being able to hear the hormone signal of the insulin. So that creates a negative feedback loop and throws everything out of balance. Now that's going to affect not only your pancreas and make it work harder and harder, eventually burning it out, creating diabetes, but it's also going to affect your metabolism and your thyroid, which is why we very commonly see diabetes and obesity go together so much so that we now call it diabetes, mm -hmm. right? And then we also see it affects our sex drive and it affects our ability to handle our everyday stress. So all that's delicately intertwined. So when you have cellular dysfunction going on, I more commonly see problems in one of those or more of those glands in any other area of the body. Now it can certainly spread out from there, but that's what I very commonly see along with digestive problems. So digestive problems are intimately involved in this process because that is a foundational system our body uses for multiple things. Number one, digesting, right? So our intestinal system is dysfunctional. We can't break down our food well or get waste out well. That's digestion. Mm -hmm. If you can't get nutrients in and garbage out, you got a problem, mm -hmm. right? Things are going down and they're going down fast. The number two job that our intestines have is immune function. So 70% of all of your body's white blood cells, your foot soldiers, your scouts, your fighters, are living right in the lining of your intestines, 70% of your whole body, because most things that get in that don't belong get in through the big mouth, big hole we have in our face called a mouth, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. So it goes in this way, right into our intestinal tract. So we have to have that immune activity there, but that 70% controls 90% of your entire body's immune reaction to anything. Mm. So the intestinal system is handling digestion, nutrients in, waste out, and immunity, but it's also very much involved in hormone production. So the microbiome, the critters that live in your gut, send signals to your brain to tell it how to balance your hormones. And mm -hmm. it sends all those signals up through one major nerve that connects from your gut up through all of your major organs, all the way up to your brain called the vagus nerve. And you're probably very familiar with that. I right? am familiar with the vagus nerve and trauma healing work as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that vagus nerve activates that parasympathetic part of our autonomic nervous system, which is the rest, repair, heal, digest system, right? So when you have cellular dysfunction, all that's getting screwy. So can you see how it can cause all kinds of symptoms? Oh my right? God. Yeah. So because it is so widespread, it's often missed because mm -hmm. it's this. No, it's that. No, it's this because there's so many different symptoms. So people will get treated improperly because they're treating those symptoms and never treating the cause. So I actually have on my website, I created a couple of online quizzes you can take to see if you have signs of excessive cellular inflammation or signs of excessive cellular toxicity, because you may not know what those signs are, but you're going through it going, yep, 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 right? And mm -hmm. also look at not only what you have, but how severe it is and how frequent you have it, which helps me gauge your degree of inflammation or your degree of toxicity and how imperative is it for you to start getting some kind of help, right? 
And if things are just mild, no big deal. You can kind of work it at your leisure. But if things are in that moderate to severe category, if you don't do something soon, that cellular dysfunction is causing cellular disease. It is causing those top five killers we talked about before, years before you will ever be diagnosed, years before you'll ever have a symptom, years before anything will show up in your blood, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're not measuring the right thing, and I'll tell you right now, 99% of doctors are not, you will never see this until it's at the very end stages. Mm -hmm. So going, for example, back to that hypothyroidism, mm -hmm. on average, someone's thyroid has to be dysfunctional for 15 to 20 years before it shows up as something abnormal in their blood work. Wow. Wow. I mean, at that point, it's been chronic for so long already. And who knows how much damage is done to the body. Exactly. Right. And that we can still help, but it's a whole lot harder. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It takes a whole lot more time. Something that maybe would took three months now takes three years. Yeah. Right. Because no one taught you how to test properly. No one taught you the importance of these cellular mechanisms and the role they play or how easy it is to actually find out what's going on and to start to fix it. It blows my mind that a simple test for under $200 can tell you all about that cellular inflammation, about whether your receptors are being blocked, about the likelihood of where that's coming from in your diet. And I can give people all kinds of guidance about how to reverse that. I mean, that's less, you know, that's a doctor's visit nowadays. Yeah, right? that's nothing. That's like not even my supplements for a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so right. someone who's going through... And I think you've talked about this too with the toxicity. Do you find that's because the cell's not working properly, there's got there's like a reason behind that, right? Like, do you find it's normally toxicity or infection that's causing that? Like for so for me, I've you know I've been diagnosed with Lyme. I didn't find out until seven years later after getting infected, and by now I've got like you know I've been doing a lot of work on it, but there's a lot more work to do, and I definitely have cellular health issues, but it's because of this, you know, infection. So Correct. do you find it's usually like one of the two toxicity or infection, or what do you find are the underlying causes often? So either toxicity or inflammation and infection causes inflammation and toxicity. Mm. Okay. So mm -hmm. certain bacteria have toxic byproducts they release that mm -hmm. damage your nervous system tissue directly, damage your endocrine system, and they create an inflammatory reaction that instead of having this acute attack where our immune system kills it and gets rid of it, it becomes ingrained and embedded and the inflammation levels go up, up, up and stay up and become chronic inflammation rather than a short-term acute attack and I'm out. Mm -hmm. So that chronic inflammation, once it passes about three months of being there, that inflammation starts to really harm and damage your cell membranes rather than help them. Got it. And so infections can be one cause of that, the number one cause of inflammation is sugar. Mm. The number two cause of inflammation is grains in our diet for two reasons. One, because grains can convert faster to sugar than anything else you eat. And I always use the example, if you ate two slices of organic whole wheat bread, that converts to more sugar and faster in your bloodstream than drinking a can of Coke or Pepsi. Oh my God. Crazy. Most people have no clue about that. It's nuts. You wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought that. Right. So grains have their benefits, but if your cells are inflamed, they're an enemy, mm -hmm. right? Your cells have to be healthy for you to be able to metabolize that sugar, right? And then we have all the added sugars, right? The fructose, high fructose corn syrup, all the things that are put into our food. At McDonald's, every single thing in the menu, including the french fries, has sugar added. It's just right? insane. 
yeah. in some degree. And that's there are no dummies. That's because they know that sugar is the single most addictive food that you can put in your body. And it's actually been proven to be more addictive than both heroin or cocaine. Yeah, I was going to say it's, it's the legal cocaine. It's the most addictive substance. Absolutely is, right? Yeah. And so, so many people are sugar addicted and don't realize it, mm-hmm. right? And when they try to do a little intermittent fasting or go on a ketogenic diet, they suddenly feel really ill, get headaches, get shaky. Those people are really sugar addicted. They need to get off that more than anybody else, right? Mm-hmm. There's just maybe a better way to do it, a slightly different version of that. So you don't feel so bad in the process, but you got to go through some form of withdrawal sometimes. Yeah. Depends on how bad you are, right? Yeah. So sugar is number one. Grains are number two. I said there was two reasons for grains. One, because grains become sugar, but also because grains, commercially raised grains, are sprayed with pesticides and herbicides, especially something called glyphosate, right? Yes. And glyphosate is the active ingredient in Roundup. Thank you, Monsanto, yeah. right, for that. And mm-hmm. now pass the buck. Thank you, Bayer, because yeah. they sold out to Bayer, right? Yeah. So glyphosate very, very interestingly, has been proven not to damage human cells. And it's absolutely true, right? But what they don't tell you is what's the purpose of glyphosate? Why are we using it? We're using it as a pesticide and herbicide. It was actually first developed in the 1970s as an industrial chelator, which meant that it was used to flush through industrial pipes to pull the mineral buildups out, pull out the calcium, pull out the gunk, right? Mm -hmm. So when you ingest calcium, come here, buddy. One second. (laughs) <laughs> night come here buddy come on yeah he's not listening he's being protective that's his job all right he's, he's doing his work all right come on buddy come over here all right <laughs> so industrial chelator pulls minerals out of pipes so when you eat something with glyphosate it pulls your minerals out of your pipes mm-hmm. right so it demineralizes your body and what's the big deal about that well we all know how important vitamins are well vitamins don't work without minerals right? Mm -hmm. So minerals are the catalyst or spark that enables vitamins to do their job. So we don't give a lot of thought to that, but there's a lot of importance to minerals and there are macro minerals and micro minerals. There are about 82 minerals that we want in our body altogether, right? But glyphosate is pulling all that out, right? They also then found that it worked really well when spilled over into killing off these weeds, actually killing any plant that it went on. Anything alive, yeah. (laughs) Right? And the reason it does that is it actually destroys the microbes in the soil that that plant requires to transfer minerals from the rocks into the plant to give the plant nutrition to live. So it kills the microbes that transfer the minerals. So not only does it grab the minerals themselves, but it kills the microbes that transfer the minerals. So because it kills microbes, they then figured out it's a good antibiotic. So it was then used as an antibiotic industrially. Oh my God. Right. And then they realized, hey, this is also a great pesticide slash herbicide. And so let's spray it on the weeds and kill off the weeds. Right. They then got the brilliant idea that it'd be a lot easier if we can make the crops kind of resistant to it, the good crops resistant to it. So we can just spray it on everything and not have to be so careful about what it hits. So they started genetically modifying crops to make them glyphosate resistant. Mm-hmm. And they started genetically modifying corn, especially to put bacteria in them and 90%, 95% of the corn that we get, <clears throat> excuse me, is this genetically modified corn that has a bacterial strain in it that sets up a glyphosate production factory in your gut. What? It, so it creates more glyphosate in your gut? Yep. Really? I did not know that. 
Yep. So these bacteria harbor it and they multiply and then that's creating more. Jesus. Right. Very, very scary what it does. So they have found that when they gave that, they started growing grains with that. They would use a lot of those grains as feed for animals, right? Cows and pigs. And the sausage making industry started to find that they used the intestinal casing from pigs to make sausage. And that intestinal casing used to be really rubbery, kind of like a bike inner tube, really, really mm-hmm. tough. But all of a sudden, they were trying to pack the sausage, and they would tear like cellophane all the yeah. time. And that was, once they started using the glyphosate, it was destroying the intestinal lining because the glyphosate creates perforations or holes in your intestines every time you eat it. Mm-hmm. And it made it cellophane-like. It tore apart. So they lobbied and made sure they could no longer use glyphosate-coated grains in pig feed. And they said, oh, God, no, we can't have that. Cut that out. <laughs> but you're still allowed to eat they it. We kept using it for everything else. Yeah. How sick is that? Oh, my God. That's why we have this epidemic of what people call leaky gut. You got it. You got it, right? So yeah. leaky gut is when the intestinal line becomes inflamed and becomes more permeable. So your intestinal lining is an extension of your skin. If you trace, trace your skin up your neck, up your chin, and put your finger in your mouth, guess what? It's still the same tissue. It's just mm-hmm. on the inside, right? Mm-hmm. So your intestines are on the inside, your skin's on the outside, it's all the same tissue. And just like you have pores on the outside where sweat and toxins come out, but if you rub some good lotion with vitamin E, it gets absorbed and goes in. Well, your intestinal lining has pores that keep bad guys out and let nutrients in. But when it becomes inflamed or damaged by glyphosate, then those pores become enlarged. And when they're enlarged and the hole's too big, now the food that has not yet been fully digested and broken down to smaller particles drops in as a large particle. And that large particle falling into that big pothole looks an awful lot like a bacteria or a parasite. So all those white blood cells I said that live right there, they attack. Mm-hmm. And when they attack, they create a localized inflammation that damages the gut lining even further. Mm-hmm. Then we have a strange habit as human beings where we keep doing this thing over and over again called eating right? Mm -hmm. And we tend to eat the same foods that are our favorite foods. We generally have our favorite five, maybe 10 foods that we prepare 10, maybe 15 different ways, right? But it's all the same stuff. I like chicken. I like carrots, right? So we keep eating these same things. So if the same things keep coming into the body and those same structures at molecular level keep dropping through those holes, that localized attack now becomes a systemic attack. Because the Mm -hmm. white blood cells say, hey, I beat you up yesterday and the day before and the day before, and you keep coming back. So I'm going to have to alert the big guns, right? I'm going to have to pull all the fire alarms in this building and tell the tanks and jets, the antibodies to get involved, to tell the chemical mediators, the cytokines, the leukotrienes, the histamines to get involved. And when that happens, we start developing what's known as food sensitivities and food allergies. And that's kind of the journey I've been going on. It's like foods, I used to never be allergic to anything. And then after dealing with this infection, increased more and more food sensitivities and less and less foods that I can actually eat, but always like some degree of inflammation there. So it's, I, I, I'm living that story you just shared and it's all, it all lines up. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's all too common and and the causative agent can be very different for different people, right? It could have been food poisoning one time. It could have been another co-infection. It could have been sustained emotional stress that pumped out too much cortisol too long. Mm-hmm. And that cortisol then damaged and inflamed your gut lining. It could be a medication. Ibuprofen can do it, mm-hmm. right? 
Ibuprofen causes a lot of intestinal damage and heart damage and kidney damage and vascular erosion and can cause hemorrhage and stroke. And all this is actually on the box now. Who reads it? Yeah. No one, yeah. right? Well, it's like this is assumption that it's safe because it's sold to you in a store right. or it's prescribed by a doctor. So we just assume that, well, I mean, they're taking care of us. It's got to be okay. So, yeah. right. so, okay, dig us out of the hole. Dr. Wild, what do we do? All right, <laughs> Tell so it's me not all the doom and doom, right? <laughs> I wouldn't put you in ruin if I couldn't save you. Exactly. Okay, but I think it's important to understand the depth of the problem. And we didn't I even agree. get into toxicity. <laughs> okay, that's even a bigger yeah. problem, right? And just real story short, there are over 80,000 chemicals used every day in the environment, and very few of them have ever been tested. The EPA tests on average four new chemicals a year. Mm. all the thousands that are pumped into our air, food, and water. And when we do test them, we find out that most of them are very toxic, bad to your nervous system, cancer-causing agents. I tested my tap water recently, and there were 15 different chemicals in my tap water, five of which were well-known cancer-causing agents, right? So I tell everybody, don't drink tap water, right? I use a reverse osmosis filtration system to pull that stuff out. Still good at pulling everything out. It even pulls out the minerals, so I put minerals back in before I drink it. Yeah. Right. But that's just to say, everyone has to understand there's no way we're going to escape it. This right? is just the world we live in. This is just it's the world. The world. We live in. And it's, it's, it's the world we've created. But I mean, humans have done all kinds of messed up stuff in the past. Like at least we're not putting lead in gasoline anymore. And we've kind of come back from that. But I know there's always hope there. But I agree with you. There's definitely there's this we live in this these insane times when it comes to what we're doing to the human microbiome to yeah. like the microbiome of the earth, you know, to the soil, yes. like you said, like we're giving all these antibiotics into the soil that, that is, that is a living being in itself that is, you know, creating the food that we eat, whether or not that has minerals and nourishment that we need, that is supporting all of these, you know, different ecosystems that are meant to work together in harmony. And we're really fucking with a delicate thing when we do this. And it's... We absolutely are. You're right. Right. So I'm sure you're familiar with the term Gaia, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Right. Gaia is Mother Earth. And there was a great book I read back in high school called The Gaia Hypothesis. And I was always kind of thinking a little bit outside the box, even back then. And it talked about the fact that mankind is the cancer of the earth. So if you looked at the earth like a human being body, it has a lot of the very same qualities as a human body does. It breathes it transfers fuel into energy. It does all these things just like we do, right? And just like a body can develop cancer, which erodes the function of that body to the point where it eventually destroys that body, we are that to the mother earth, right? And I, I hear that and I used to feel that way myself. And I, I do, you know, I see that perspective as well. But I kind of see cancer as this mutation where the cells forget that they are part of the whole. And I see that's what's happened with humanity. Like we are, we've forgotten that we are, you know, and we are birthed from this earth and we are connected to it mentally, physically, spiritually. And so it's this, we're hurting ourselves. We just have forgotten that through like this sense of ego separating us. And it's, there's this call now to like, you know, you either change or die. <laughs> what that's are you going to do, I, humanity? I, yep. I agree with that. Totally. And my view of cancer is cancer is not a disease. Cancer is a survival mechanism, mm. right? So when a cell comes up against a hurdle that it can't get 
through, it has to either hit that wall and die or figure out a way to get over, under, or around it, right? And when it has to do that, that's a mutation. So it's a survival mechanism. So cancer is a healthy response of a cell to an unhealthy environment. But the problem is the mechanism then in that process becomes dysfunctional and doesn't shut off, right? Interesting. So it can have a, a, a short-term mutation and then reset. But when we have our mitochondrial damage, it actually begins to alter the genetic mechanisms. And ultimately, that cell starts to reproduce. And as you said, it forgets it's part of the whole anymore. It becomes detached. And its only concern is its own survival, not the survival of the host. Mm-hmm. Right? So ultimately, I think we're probably on the same page. I think so. Yeah. And yeah. along those lines, I do believe that even if we are the cancer of the planet, the planet will survive long, long after we're gone. Humanity right? has risen and fallen before. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Hopefully we'll figure so, it out this uh, time. <laughs> we found different ways to screw with this system before, and I'm sure we'll do it again. And I'm sure that mother nature or higher intelligence or God will find a way to go reset button. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, I th- I th- right now we're at this tipping point. We're at a churning point where we go either direction. And I, you know, things like for me, a big part of my journey was plant medicines, Ooh. ayahuasca, which experience is like speaking with Gaia. In many ways, it's like speaking with the spirit of the earth. And there's a prophecy about, you know, Eagle and the Condor Alliance, where North Americans and South Americans come together to create this change, a new way of being on the planet. And we see things like plant medicine spreading and becoming more well-known for better and for worse. But it's like these messaging, this message is trying to get out into the world where it says if the earth, it feels like to me anyway, is saying, hey, listen, now's the time to change. You have, yeah. you've gone far enough. Exactly. I, I just really hope that people are listening, you know? Some um, are. Yep. Some are. Right. But I, helps yeah, I agree more with wake that. up. I agree with that. You know, I, I don't know how much it's going to take, how many slaps do you have to get before you start waking up? You know, we'll I think the out. earth is getting hit with so many lefts just begging for a right, <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. So, and I'm so sorry about that barking uh oh i can barely hear it that's okay usually it's on my end so (laughs) so so yeah so what do we do about this what do we do so there are doctors out there like myself who view the body as a whole right who don't look at as these compartmentalized individual systems and symptoms right but we're looking for how it all intertwines and traditionally that would be called a functional medicine practitioner Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people aren't familiar with that term, but it's been around for a little while now. Jeffrey Bland, who's a PhD, he coined the term as considered the father of functional medicine. And I think it's probably 10 or 15 years ago that he came up with the term. And I realized that I was actually doing functional medicine before it became cool. Right. So I was practicing that way for probably 20, 25 years, just investigating deeper, looking at nutrient status, looking at the interrelationship of the systems and not paying attention so much to the symptoms, but saying, mm-hmm. what's not working here? What's not in balance? How can we help that? So there are many different ways in which a practitioner can practice functional medicine. And many different practitioners can do that. Your nutritionist can do it. Your acupuncturist can do it. Your medical doctor, your chiropractor, right? So it's a way in which we view the body. And there is a, commonly there is a matrix that that doctor will follow to say, okay, Let's check this system, then this system, then this system, and look for certain commonalities, and then start addressing things in a certain order that makes logical sense to be most efficient 
and most effective in reversing all these damaged processes. Now, for me, that's what I've evolved into my cellular healing cycle. And the way I do it's a little different than any other doctor, just based on my experiences, what I've learned, what I've seen work, what I've seen not work, right? So I've really fine-tuned that over the last eight years since I've lost my wife. And I'm sure I'll continue to fine-tune it going into the future. So it's not written in stone. And some people will say to me, oh, I got your protocol, but it was a little bit different than what we talked about. I said, yeah, because last night I read new research and I changed something, right? Mm -hmm. So I try to stay on top of it as much as I can. But if someone wants some direction, I recommend talking to a functional medicine practitioner. They're going to be the ones who are going to probably get this concept better than most, Mm -hmm. right? Now, within functional medicine, I have chosen a very specific niche of cellular inflammation and toxicity, together known as cellular dysfunction, because that is the common cause of all these diseases. So while I don't treat heart disease, I don't treat diabetes, I don't treat cancer per se, I treat the common denominator that all of these chronic diseases have, which is where it all starts. And based on that, you can reverse all of these processes. You just have to know what to look for, how to test for it with the right tests, which are rarely done, and what to do with that information, right? Mm-hmm. So that's something that, of course, I specialize in. If anybody would like some help with that, I'd be happy to talk to them. I always offer a free, what I call, discovery call. It takes about 15 minutes, and you can tell me what's going on with you, and I can tell you if I think that's something I can help or not. If it's something I can't help, I'm going to try to find you someone who can help you. And if we decide that that's something that's good for us to do together, great. We'll go forward and work together. But even if we don't, no harm, no foul. You're going to walk away from that discovery call with some concrete information about how to improve your health and life because I've never had a single call yet where I couldn't find something to help someone. Mm, Love that. That's beautiful. Where do people find you if they're called to, to learn more about this? So the easiest place is to go to my what I call my umbrella website, because I have too many websites and too many ways to contact me. So my umbrella website is drwildcanhelp.com because I usually can, right? Mm-hmm. So it's D-R-W-I-L-D-C-A-N-H-E-L-P.com. So when you go to drwildcanhelp.com, you can read all about the stuff we share today. You can read more about my methodologies, what I do, why I do it about the synergy of the chiropractic care, the functional medicine, the biohacking into what I call the functional chirohacking. I mean, why not make up words? It's fun, right? (laughs) But also on there, if you go to the programs section in the menu, you'll see Restore Your Health Online. And if you click on that, that's where you can read in much more detail all about the three levels of service I use to prevent, stop, and reverse this cellular dysfunction we've been talking about tonight. Love it. I love that. And I'll put those in the show notes as well. I'll drop the links okay, in there. Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, this has been really helpful and really eye-opening. Some of the things I knew and a lot of things I didn't know. If there is a parting message you'd want to share with people out there who are struggling, what would you want to say you know, to those people and to the world right now? So first and foremost, you are not a victim. All right? Your illness didn't happen to you for no reason. Your illness happened, if you have an illness, because of things that are in the environment around you and because of the choices you have made. hate to tell you, but it's true. Only 3% of all diseases are truly fully genetic. So when someone says, oh, it's in your family, big deal. 
there's lots of diseases in families that not every family member gets, right? Mm -hmm. And we've seen the research where they take twins, identical genes, Mm -hmm. and one is very sickly and one is robustly healthy, right? So the difference here is what we call epigenetics. So while you're born with a blueprint, what gets built from that blueprint depends on the foreman you decide to hire, you decide to hire for the contract, the workers that foreman hires, the materials they choose to use to do the building, right? And that is your nutrition, your exercise, your neurologic functioning, your ability to cope with the stresses of your life, right? There's so many factors that determine how your genes are expressed. So while you're born with a genetic code, how those genes turn on or off is ultimately 97% up to you. And there's two main things that have been shown to change how those genes express. Number one is how you think, because your thoughts and emotions change your biochemistry, which change your genetic transcription and coding. And number two is what you put in your mouth. So your most powerful tool that you have is your fork, right? Mm -hmm. So what you think and and what you eat makes the biggest difference in your health. And you have the ability to turn that around, right? Most of my patients get significantly better in three months, Nice, right? Depends on how bad they are. Some take six, some take 12, but everyone can say, I cannot believe how much better I am than I was three months ago, just by doing the simple things you told me to do, because they're simple yet profound. Amazing. Amen. I couldn't agree more. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here and for doing this work. The world needs it. And I hope you have a lot more centers all over the world. People can come and heal and prevent this stuff. Me too. You know, I really do believe that God all puts us here for a purpose. I think that most of our lives, we probably don't know what that purpose is. We haven't really dialed in on exactly what that's supposed to be. I think a lot of times that kind of leaves some people feeling lost and they kind of wander, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that ultimately, when the time is right, you're going to get a big aha moment. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. That's what I was put here for. And I really believe that I've reached that point in my lifetime's evolution this time around, right? Mm -hmm. And I believe that everything I've gone through in my life, and there's been a lot of other things that led to that as well, but especially what I went through with my wife, Linda, took me out of the frying pan into the fire. And it took me in a direction in which I would have never gone before, but a direction that I could never go back on, right? I can't unlearn what I learned and I can't unshare or not be propelled to share what I know. So I believe that's what God put me here for. I'm on a mission. I'm never going to stop. They can't stop me, whoever they are. They've already (laughs) kicked me on Facebook multiple times. I don't care, right? (laughs) I'm still going to talk about what people need to understand in order to help themselves heal. And as I said in the beginning of this, because when you save your cells, you save yourself. It's that easy. Absolutely. You're definitely someone on a mission. You can spot someone like that a mile away. You got it burning all around you. So keep doing what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, all you beautiful beings, thank you for listening to this episode. I hope it gave you a ton of value and insight. And if you know anyone else that would benefit from this, please share it with them. And your ratings and reviews are always so helpful too. 
And if you would like more support and more community and connection, you can check me out on Instagram and Facebook at Your Mind Body Free. I share live trainings and healing resources in my Facebook group and Instagram every week. And you can find the links for that in the show notes. Until next time, sending you my love.